Welcome back to Epilogues, an unpacking of the weekly Haftarah. You're listening to Rabbi Yaakov Trump. This week we're going to be learning the Haftarah of Parshas Balak. The Haftarah of Parshas Balak is drawn from Sefer Mecha, Perek Hay, Pasuk Vov to Perek Vov, Pasuk Ches. In order to understand this properly, let's try to appreciate the background of the book of Mecha, who was Mecha first, and then we'll try to understand the words in this particular prophecy. So the Gemara tells us in Psachim Daf, Pei Zion Amur Aleph, that Mecha was in fact a prophet among many. He was one of four contemporaries who prophesied at the time, and those prophecy and those those um, prophets were Yeshayahu, Hoshea, Amos, and he was the fourth Mecha. In fact, we know that he was the last, the junior of all of these four. Um, at the time, the kings of the north are Yeruvam, Achaz, and the later revolutions leading to the destruction of the northern kingdom. And the south, Yotam, Achaz, and Fani, Chizkiah, Menach. So he's really living at the tail end of the northern kingdom and are witnessing its destruction and exile at the hands of Assyria. Um, we also hear, we know that Micha lives in a place called Mora, Morash, Morashia or Morash, Morasha, which is uh, to know, today known as Tel Marasha, um, which is in central Israel. Um, so the Beit Gurin or the Beit Jibrin area is the area that he would, uh, um, where, where he would live. Um, it is interesting that he is later quoted, quoted by Sefer Yirmiyahu. Yirmiyahu quotes Mech on a very famous prophecy in which he says, He talks about the destruction of Jerusalem. This was many years before Jerusalem will be destroyed. This is the era of the end of the era of plenty in the north and the south, and it's as the the northern kingdom is slowly sinking into its demise. It is interesting to note that he actually lives in the south. That means he lives in Judea, but he is prophesizing to the north, to Israel, which is unusual because Amos and Oshea were also prophesizing to the north, but they lived in the north. So very interesting perspective. It's a perspective of, the, so to speak, the person calling out, they see the iceberg on the Titanic, but nobody else is listening. That's really where Micha and Hoshea and Amos are standing. And in fact, what they say is going to happen does in fact happen. So let's let's turn to our prophecy itself. Let's look at our, the section of Micha, which is in our Haftarah. And the section that we'll divide into two. The first part is the end of Perek. Hey, and the second part is the beginning of Perak Vav in Mecha. So let's look at the first section, a brief overview, and then some basic points to ponder. The description is the Sheiris Yaakov, the remainder of Jacob, which refers to Israel in a state of exile, that are going to be, he says, Bekerev Amim Rabim. You're going to be scattered among many nations, and he gives two metaphors as to what that scattering will look like. One is Kirvivim Ale Esav, Ketal Hashem Kirvivim Ale Esav, like dew and rain upon the vegetation. Um, that uh, won't trust in any human beings. And the other one, the description he says is, um, is like this lion among the, the animals, this young lion in the flocks of sheep is what Israel will be. Um, and there will be no one, there'll be no saviors or no need for saviors as well. Um, and then it describes how their enemies will be cut down. And on the day that their enemies will cut down, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the Almighty is going to take away all of the um, powers of the time, whether it be the Susecha, 
the, your, the horses, whether it be the idol worship, kashafim, sorcery, pesilecha, your images, um, you, um, all these things are going to be destroyed. To destroy all these nations. So it's a, it sounds like it's describing exile, it's describing the resolute state of and the nation of Israel in exile, and it sounds like retribution. How do we read this, this section? What's really going on? Now, Barbanel, in his commentary on the Micha, points out that there are two ways of reading this section. One is, it refers to the Jews and the nation of Israel who will, who will be in Golis and exile in every nation. And the overlords will come to fight Israel, but they won't be on their own volition. Rather, they'll be like rain, meaning it's the plan of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Israel will trust HaKadosh Baruch Hu, not their physical allies. So the general idea is, as is unexplained by Barbanel in version 1, is that all those who come to defame and hurt him, Israel are really coming at the behest of HaKadosh Baruch Hu and Hashem will ultimately protect them even though they have to go through this process. The segue reading this is that it refers to the remains of the Golas, the remains of those in exile who will be among the different nations and there will be those who did, do, did good for them and there will be those who don't do good for them and those who do good will succeed and grow and those who, will not, who would did bad to Israel will be torn apart. So Israel will be like this rain in... Uh, in the nations and which will cultivate, which will bring about good to those nations who do good, but the lion will be the expression of doing of Israel tearing up and destroying those who do bad. So either this is the way that Hashem is controlling the exile process, or it's the way that Israel will bless or curse those who are in exile. Rabbi Mendel Hirsch, in his, this, this, the um, oldest son of Rav Shimshon, Rafael Hirsch, comments over here that in fact this refers to the way that Israel will bring their value system to the nations of the world. To quote Rav Mendel Hirsch, he says, it will carry forth its teachings that all men are the children of God, that the true worth of human beings is not based on race or position, power and coercion are but transitory. In the midst of the nations who are accessible to these truths, Yaakov will be like dew, like the restorative rain that transforms the desert of humanity into a place blossoming beauty and flourishing prosperity. So this is the idea of values, that Israel has, will disperse its values among the world. And this is something we have seen over the last 2,000 years as Israel has sp spread monotheism, whether it be directly all through the birth, the, we'll call the daughter religions, the spin-offs of Judaism with Christianity and Islam, which later developed based on Judaism to spread the ideas and values of Israel among the world. That, that's what's being described over here in this blessing. Why do you, what's the difference between dew and rain? So there's a, one fascinating thing is that rain you can see when it's coming down. Um, but it disappears after it's, it, it falls, it's it, it is absorbed in the ground. With dew, you can't see it falling, you can only see when it appears. Israel be, is like dew, it'll only be distinct when, it'll only be visible when it is distinct, when it is separate, not while it's actually being. How does this section relate to our parasha in Balak before we move to the next section? So the basic answer is, is that Zimri had an argument, as the Gemara points out in, this, uh, the, in, in the subtext. The Gemara in Sanhedrin has a subtext to understanding the episode that happens at the end of Pasha's Balak, in which um, Zimri says, why is that people are dying because of a plague? Because they are having relationships with Midianite and Moabite women. Surely Moshe Rabbeinu, you yourself married a, Moab, a Midianite woman. So why should that be? And that's why he commenced this public relationship with, uh, with, with Cosby as a demonstration that really there should be no problem. After all, the leader of Israel married a Midianite woman. Now, obviously, that was before the giving of the Torah, which is one of the flaws in his argument. But nonetheless, the Sav Torah is emphasizing that, in fact, going back to the prophecy of Bilam, which is, Hain Om, Levadod Yishkon, Vagoim Lois Chashov, the way that perhaps 
Israel will have its longevity, will have its success, will be by being distinct and separate. And uh, if Israel's not going to be separate, if Israel's not going to maintain its identity, then it will be lost. Which is what the Torah is arguing over here is, Israel, you have your own mission. You have your unique identity. Don't lose it even in the diaspora. And that's what's being said over here. We move to the second section of our Torah, which is the Perik Vav in Mecha. And in this section over here, Hashem now turns to them and says, and, and reprimands them. He says, Kum Listen, O um, mountains and valleys, to your voice. And he says, listen, listen to what I'm about to tell you. Because Hashem has an argument, a bone to pick with his nation. He says, look, look what I did for you. I took you out of the, la- in the nation of, uh, of the land of Egypt. I brought you up and I gave you leaders, Moshe, Aaron and Miriam. And now look what, Bo- look, Balak tried, the king of Moab tried to do to you. Look what Bilam ben Boor tried to do from you, from Shittim, that's on the east bank of the Jordan, to Gilgal, which is on the west side of the Jordan. Why did Hashem bring you into the land of Israel? To know the righteousness of our Kodesh Baruch Hu. And Kodesh Baruch Hu then goes on to say, in the end of the day, um, in the end of the day, I'm going to tell you what is good. What is it that Hashem wants from you, O Israel? To do righteousness, to do kindness, and, and um, to walk in a modest, a modest way in front of God. So that's the, the, the argument of the second part directed, directed at Israel explicitly. So a few basic points over here. Why are the hills and mountains being called into this argument? So Bible now says it's the, they're witnesses. They've always been here. They're, they, they've sort of witnessed the trajectory of history. The Targum says, no, they're metaphoric for the patriarchs and matriarchs are being called to, to witness the ills of their children. What's the general claim of this section? What's really going on here? So the Redux says, Hashem is claiming, what bad did I do for you? What, meaning, I, ga- I ga- gave you all this, and then I gave you commandments, and still you rejected me. The Rabbi says that the tone's a little bit different. He says, look at all the good I've done for you, and, yeah, and, look at the, and show me the good you have done in return. Meaning, what, how have you paid back my investment in you as well? Now, how, why are Bilam and Balak being enlisted in the Haftarah? What's the point of them being called in here? So there's two points over here. It says Rav Mendel Hirsch in his commentary on the Haftarah. Number one is, is that HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, look, when they wanted to fight, who did they turn to? They turned to a higher power. They turned to find a sorcerer, to find some sort of higher power, to, to enlist the power of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But in the end of the day, when you are in trouble, you don't do that. You turn to allies in the north. You try to find the, the, the Aram and um, all these other nations to fight against Assyria. That's inappropriate. You understand that even the Moabites understood that you need to call to a higher power, not colleagues. That's number one. And number two is, is that if you remember the blessing of Bilam, what did Bilam say? He says, Hashem When are you successful when HaKadosh Baruch Hu is with you? If you want to succeed, make sure Hashem is with you as well. Finally, it's interesting that HaKadosh Baruch ends in this, 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 this prophecy as described in Bamecha. It describes that HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants from you three things. And those three things are um, the, as we just described a moment, um, justice, kindness, and, and modesty in walking in front of Hashem. The Gomorrah in Makos, on Daf, Chav Dalad tells us a very fascinating observation that HaKadosh Baruch had 613 mitzvahs and different prophets came and diminished them to lesser numbers. The penultimate one is Mecha, which is Arav Torah, in which he, which he summarizes all the Torah into three mitzvahs, which are the ones that are described over here. What does that mean precisely? So Rashi, Rashi explains that as the, the generations um, diminished, then not only did they, not only as the, there's a progression 
in the expansion of Israel, that was diminishing the spiritual capacity of people, and people were not able to do as much. They could really do many commandments. In the later generations, they weren't so they weren't so great, and they could only take on fewer mitzvahs, which is why the Torah was summarized into this. The Maral interferes Israel actually has a different perspective on this. And he explains in Perak Nundalad that what's been described over here is not that all these prophets were diminishing the Torah, God forbid, but rather they were summarizing what are the principles if you distill what the Torah is supposed to make. What's this Torah system supposed to produce? It's supposed to be people who are exemplifying these traits. So what Micha said is the traits that you need to exemplify are justice, that's Mishpat, loving kindness, and Hashem is saying to them, if you are not producing people. If you're not producing a nation which does this, then there's obviously something about the way that you're doing this because the system is not working if it's not producing such people. A question that Micha raised to the people at that time, a question that we read in the Torah to raise to ourselves. Is living a Torah lifestyle producing that in us or are we missing the boat? Is the Torah simply padding and giving comfort to the mission that we chose in life or is it producing what Hashem wanted from us in life? With this, we conclude. In the meantime, have a wonderful and meaningful day and a great week.